I built a career on just reaching out and seeing what I can do and yeah. just asking the question. And I still do that to this day. Just asking a question, just seeing like. So simple. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that's what I tell people because a lot of people will um, hit me up when they see like certain things I'm doing happen. And they're like, how? That's always the question. <laughs> how, bro? And it's like, I just asked the question. I just, it's a crazy idea I had. Why not ask? Right. See what happens. Yeah. That's it. Hey, welcome to Current Mood. This is your host, Jacqueline Schneider. Current Mood is a series exploring self-care techniques, mental models, and the core patterns propelling our increasingly digital lives. Through conversations with thought leaders across creative disciplines, I get a chance to learn about unique business paths and pivots through the lens of mental wellness. In this episode of Current Mood, I get a chance to sit down with Marcus J. Moore, an incredible music journalist, critic, and author. He wrote The Butterfly Effect, How Kendrick Lamar Ignited the Soul of Black America. Marcus is working on a book about De La Soul. Marcus is also a regular contributor at the New York Times, where he writes a column about jazz and other niche genres of music. He's written some amazing stories, and he just really goes deep and understands the kind of human side of music. And that's what I really love about Marcus. He was so gracious in sharing his journey with me, his very nonlinear journey from a city a specific reporter at his, you know, small newspaper in the DMV area to kind of where he's gone now, where he's working on his second book. Um, super inspiring. And I really hope you enjoy this talk. Well, thank you for coming and hanging out. No, thank you. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, it's nice to see you. Likewise, likewise. Um, who are you? Can you tell the people who you are? <laughs> well, my name is Marcus J. Moore. I'm an author, curator, and music journalist. I cover jazz and experimental music at the New York Times, NPR, uh, and, and I have my own column at title called The Liner Notes, which is essentially a musical diary where I cover music of all eras and genres, mm -hmm. um, just basically what I'm walking around here listening to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you listen to on the way? Oh, I listened to, I've been in a Miles Davis electric mood, so I was listening to Spanish Key um, from Bitches Brew because I feel like that's good walking music. True. And it was also long enough where it would, it would soundtrack my whole journey here. Right. You know, yeah. That's what I love about, like, older music, like, put on Fela, that's like, you know, 14 minutes. <laughs> and Fela's not going to come in until, like, minute 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, is this an instrumental? It's like, nope. <laughs> Here, here I come. Here I go. Oh, man. Um, did you play music growing up? Like, how did your journey, how did your life turn into music? <laughs> mm. Well, it's funny. Like, my uh, my cousins always make fun of me, uh, my cousin Isaac especially, because he says I've been training for what I do since I was two years old. Because oh, okay. um, I didn't grow up in a musical family where we played instruments or anything like that. But I grew up with a lot of musically inclined people who appreciated all kinds of music. So... On any given day, my grandmother is playing old school gospel music. Mm. Uh, my aunt Pam is playing everything from Terrence Trent Darby to uh, Parliament Funkadelic to, you know, all of this stuff. And then I came up with my cousins, uh, Isaac, Tiffany, and my cousin Eric, who was a DJ. And uh, so that's when 
I started listening to like I came up with like Public Enemy and mm-hmm. Boogie Down Productions and uh, NWA. So I'm getting all of this, and then when I'm by myself, I'm watching MTV. And MTV was brand new at the time. Yeah. It, it, it had been around for like two years at yeah. the time. And so there I'm looking at The Cure, Madonna, David Bowie. I'm just taking in all this stuff. So What was it about music that just had you locked in? You know, I want to say it was, uh, I think it was a sense of community. And I, and I just I always liked to dance anyway. And I was always a very like lively. Oh, you're a dancer? I, yeah, I grew <laughs> out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I grew out of it, but as a kid, I was like, I was a dude. I'm gonna be right in the middle of the dance floor, not knowing what I'm doing. I'm just hitting all these moves that make no sense. And crazy legs more. That was me. That was me. <laughs> I mean, circa mid '80s, absolutely. That was me. So, yeah. So I, I think it was just you know, you you come up with it, and you're around people who love music, mm-hmm. and so as a result, you can't help but get infatuated with it yourself. So I think that's that was my connection to music early on. Do you find that music like takes you into a mood or can get you out of a mood? Like, do you use it as kind of like a tool for your emotions? Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding that. Um, and it's it's a weird thing. And I know it's not germane to just me, but uh, I like listening to moody music, like music that even if I'm in a good mood, I like listening to something that feels a little dystopian. Maybe it's a little <laughs> sad. Okay. Um, because for whatever reason, it just it helps me lock into what I'm doing. You yeah. know, if I'm on like a if I'm on a crazy deadline, or if I have a big project I'm working on, or if I'm just kind of feeling away, in general, like we all do, I lean into that. But then there are other days when you know I'll listen to like a, a Stevie Wonder um, talking book. I'll listen to Kamazi Washington. I'll mm-hmm. listen to all this upbeat music. Mm-hmm. So there really is no rhyme or reason, but it definitely helps me lock into. If I'm in a bad mood, I want to listen to bad mood music. <laughs> I want to get deeper into it. I want to get deeper into it because it also <laughs> helps my creative process, too. Mm. Yeah. Like, what's dystopian? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, okay, I, I say this, I use that term loosely because yeah. when you listen to Billy Woods, for example, yeah. and you listen to Armin Hammer, for example, like the easy qualifier for them is that the music is dystopian because the beats are very slow they're sullen they're they're gritty um you can hear the original samples on it you can hear all the vinyl pops all that stuff yeah but then there's a lot of joy within it but just on its surface i listen to stuff like billy you know what i'm saying or i listen to quelle chris's um lullaby for the broken brain mm-hmm. lullabies for the broken brain mm-hmm. i'm listening to that and i feel like that's when I when I say dystopian, I'm listening to stuff like that. So not necessarily industrial music or dance music, <laughs> yeah. But just like, you know, music that feels like okay, this person was in a mood. They were in a way. Maybe they were dealing with some heartbreak mm-hmm. or something, or you know, they feel yeah. like people were sleeping on them, and ah. they went to the studio and took it out on the record. There's this. Do you remember um, Jose James? I think it was like his first EP. There's like five songs, mm-hmm. and do you, do you remember his early stuff? The, I remember like, the Dreamer. It, I think it was the I think it was the Dreamer. with the black and white cover. Yeah, yeah, where it felt like like rainy day jazz, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. I remember listening to that like I was going through it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember I got to actually interview Jose like 
a couple years later and i was like so such a fan i was like fanning out super hard and i was like oh god why am i doing this right now (laughs) um but i also said like if i ever I'm interviewing someone, I become not a fan, or I'm not a fan anymore. I'm like in the wrong. I need to change careers or something. I feel <laughs> like that. Yeah. I still need to be a fan. But I was telling him, I was like, dude, you're that EP. Like, what were you going through at that time? Because whatever I was going through, it like it helped. I had some solidarity with you in that moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> listening over and over to like the Dreamer and songs like of that um, era of his. Yeah. Shout out to Jose. Yeah. Jose's a good dude. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, that record, that one, and um, what was the one? It was uh, Black Magic. Black Magic. Oh Black my Magic God. was another one too, where it's just like, yo, like Black this is. Magic. Yeah, no beginning, no end. Like, yeah, no. Jose got some joints. <laughs> he does. He got some joints. I was like, moods. Uh, that was the one. <laughs> I <think laughs> Absolutely. I, was going, I think I was going through a breakup or something. Something stupid that has is inconsequential now, but yeah. at the time it was like everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that, and that's typically what it is, right? If you're going through something, you feel a way about some email you got or, oh, or whatever. Emails. You know what I mean? We and it's just talk like, oh, yeah, you know, we're definitely gonna PR get emails. into it. We're gonna get into it. I was about to say, I knew walking over, I was like, I know, okay, I know one thing we're gonna talk about. <laughs> no, PR I, email. I did not even think about that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, I'd love to just like hear like how did you because I mean if, if I if I Googled you if I Googled you right now, um, I'd be like, damn, this guy is like super established, like successful <laughs> journalist. He sh- you guys, he's shaking his head. Cool, <laughs> cool story, bro. Um but it's funny because you know, like we have that like you know, in society now, we're so driven by like optics and you know aesthetic and what things look like, and there has to be like a crazy journey behind that you know quote unquote come up. Um, like, how did you get started as as a, a writer and then like make that your business? Yeah, so um, I want to say my journey to towards full time writing began honestly in high school. Mm. Um, I was I was co-editor of our yearbook, our senior yearbook, right? And I had and the teacher at the time, uh, Carol Kilby, for whatever reason, she was like, "Hey, you need to join this thing at Howard University because uh, I'm from the DC area. Um, you need to go to this uh, urban journalism workshop." And every Saturday, in this urban journalism workshop, we were taught by actual reporters, like at the Post and at these, you know, Wall Street Journal. And they were they were taking a bunch of 17 year old kids, 16, 17 year old kids out to cover stories like they would throw us out there like, no, talk to this random person. Really? Oh, yeah. They they treated it like, OK, you got to talk to these people. Then we're going to rush back here and you're going to write it on deadline. Wow. We were doing it every Saturday. You were like in the field. In the field <laughs> as a teenager. Wow. And don't get me wrong. It's not like we were covering anything super serious. We were covering like the cherry blossoms, you know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so it wasn't anything where you're like, oh, man, when you look back, it's like, that we brought down Nixon or nothing like that. It was just cherry blossoms. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like we had to talk to people about that. But Wait, what were you asking people? I, yo, it was it was the word. It was like, how do you how do you feel about the cherry blossoms blooming? And like, uh, 
you know, how long have you lived in D.C.? What are your thoughts on cherry blossoms? Like, I didn't know what to ask at Deep the time. Cuts. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't <laughs> nothing like, ooh, you, you stumped me with that question. It was, you know. And then the whole story only had to be like 300 words. And I thought that was the hardest thing ever. 300? Like, now, now I'm like 1,000. I'm like, that's easy. I do that Right. It's day. like, but 300, I was like, oh, I don't even know how to begin this because I just didn't have the chops for it at right. the time. Right. Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere. Exactly. So I was doing that. And then that sort of set me on a course where I'm like, man, okay. I really like journalism. I think I'm going to do this. Mm. And then um, I, I go to college and um, uh, I joined the newspaper right away, mm-hmm. eventually become news editor. Um, and I got my first professional gig as a professional journalist, as mm-hmm. a full-time journalist, rather, at this small local newspaper called the Prince George's Sentinel. Okay. And that was in 2003. And um, well, I, I, I 20 was- 20 years later. 20, Right. It's coming up on 20 years. I was like, I've been doing this for 20 years. It feels longer. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so I was doing that even before I graduated college. So yeah. fast forward, I'm at the uh, Gazette newspaper um, like six months after I got my first gig. I'm covering general assignment. Mm. I'm covering police. So I'm going mm. to like crime scenes oh, and I'm what? seeing crazy stuff. Yeah, so I'm oh, doing wait, that. I think you told me about yeah, yeah. So, and I would go to the police station and like go through police reports and all of that stuff. What are police reports like? It can be anything. So, a lot of it can just be oh, noise disturbance, um, you know, traffic incident. But then every so often, like one time in particular, I saw like, wait, there was this dude in a certain section of the city who killed his mom and was and was uh sitting there with the body for like a number of days, and I'm like. So that's when I become like reporter slash like service worker where I turn mm. to the detectives and I'm like, hey, guys, uh, have y'all seen this? And then naturally they're like, oh, OK, we got to go out and see what's going on. You know, I, I have no idea why they. How did, why did you have to alert them of their job? I never understood that. <laughs> but I also understood that this was a small town in PG County. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I didn't know any better. Yeah. Maybe it was an old report or whatever. But I remember showing that to somebody and then being genuinely shocked. Maybe it was a detective who wasn't assigned to that at mm. the time, and maybe it was already handled or whatever, but I do remember this genuine shock Yeah. when I, like, hey, y'all see this? You know, that kind of thing. So maybe, how did you cover that story? I um, I don't, I didn't go to that scene, admittedly, because I was like, okay, this, is, this might be a little far beyond <laughs> what I'm trying to do. Like, this is, <laughs> I was still a rookie, um... I didn't know I didn't know that I was like supposed to like an old school journalist would hop in the car and go to the house and all this. I was like, I'm not gonna do any of that. Like that's just not 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 what I wanna do. Um so that's when I discovered like, okay, maybe journal assignment and police and all that is just not for me. Yeah. I started covering business in Prince George's County. Um well- I, like small business or what small businesses. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was covering small businesses, and then I did that for like a year, and then I covered education for the next four years huh. in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was going to like school board meetings, and I was um, I knew all the stuff ins and all the ins and outs from like twenty two thousand seven to two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, around about there. And uh, no lie, one day in particular, I was in the back of a school board meeting. I said, I can't do this anymore. I said it under my breath. Yeah. And then I always knew that I loved music and I loved writing. So I didn't have any clips at the time. So I figured, well, I'm going to just see what I can do. I know I can report stories. Yeah. 
So let me just see if I can become a music journalist because I love it, you know, yeah. and I've always wanted to do it anyway. Yeah. I thought coming out I had to have bylines at Pitchfork and Rolling Stone and I had to come out swinging. Yeah. I just started my own thing. Did you I, have a blog? Yeah, I had a blog. It, it was a short-lived blog because it got rolled into something else. But I had a blog called DMV Spectrum. Okay. DMV Spectrum, where I was covering local music in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Okay. Um, going to open mics and everything. And then... Oh, wow. You were... I was into... You were out there in the field. I was doing it. I was doing <laughs> it. So, anyway, so, um, like, a year into that, the Washington City paper took an interest. Mm. And I essentially started doing what I would do for my blog for the city paper. Which Sick. was a bigger thing at the right. time, and then, and then from there the snowball just got bigger. I would just reach out to different people. From there, I'm reaching out to like BBC Music. I'm reaching mm -hmm. out to MTV, mm -hmm. Washington Post, and I just I built a career on just reaching out and seeing what I can do, and yeah. just asking the question. And I still do that to this day, just asking the question, just seeing like so simple. Yeah, that, <laughs> and that's what I tell people because a lot of people will um, hit me up when they see like certain things I'm doing happen. And they're like, how? That's always the question. <laughs> how, bro? And it's like, I just asked the question. I just, it's a crazy idea I had. Why not ask? Right. See what happens. Yeah. That's it. What was your first, like, memorable, like, music byline where you're like, oh, okay. Mm, I think there were a couple. So um, one in particular, I wrote a cover story for the Washington City paper um, on this local... I guess super group, rap super group called Diamond District. Mm, it was like, yeah, I remember Diamond District. You remember Diamond yeah. District, Odyssey, XOYU. They they were like the biggest thing in, in um, the DMV hip-hop scene at the time. So I wrote like a 5,000-word piece, and it was a cover story. Wow, that's a lot of words. It was a lot of it's words. A lot more than 300. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that was hard to I was like 5,000. I don't know where I'm going to start. No, but. that's crazy. That's yeah, so, <laughs> um, so I wrote that. And then... My first byline at BBC Music mm. doing reviews was covering, um, I reviewed Watch the Throne. Mm. And then I reviewed Channel Orange, Frank Ocean Channel Orange. What? And then where is that? Good Kid, Mad City. Oh, wow. I'm like, where is that? Killer Mike rap music. <laughs> um, That makes sense why you interviewed Killer Mike at South By. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. That was kind of wild. That was random. They just reached out. Yeah. Hey, would you want to talk to Killer Mike? Sure. Okay. That's what's up. <laughs> Probably <laughs> go Googled you and they were like, oh, word, that one byline. That one byline <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm sure they remember that. Yeah, absolutely. So you went from reporting about cherry blossoms to <laughs> 5,000 word cover story on Diamond D, Diamond District, not Diamond D. Um, and then what was like kind of like the next iteration of Marcus Moore as a journalist? Um, around 2014, I got this full-time gig at a WTOP FM, mm. which is the biggest news traffic and weather station in D.C., in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm there as a digital editor. That's when I'm tapping back into covering education and covering, like, straight-up news. So, okay, yeah. cool, it's a gig. Yeah. But then they they discovered that I cover music, you yeah. know, and they were like, oh, wait a minute. You're like reviewing concert. You leave here to review concerts for the Washington Post. That's kind of wild. I saw your name in the paper, <laughs> you know. And so then the program director was like, well, we like your voice. Would you want to be on air? Oh, Would I was going to ask you about that. You yeah. do have a good voice. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, they were like, uh, do you want to go on air and just talk about new records? And I was like, uh, OK. <laughs> but the thing about T.O.P., 
and I appreciate it. It's a very quick station. So mm. you had to speak quickly. You had to get to your thought quickly. You had to get in, get out. So I'm reviewing a record like To Pimper Butterfly. Kendrick Lamar, To Pimper Butterfly. <laughs> In two minutes. Tops. What? How? Wait, give minutes. me a demo. Let's go. Oh no, no, I can't. I, no, no, that's a that's a past life. I'm gonna find a clip. <laughs> it's probably still out. Actually, two minutes. Can, it's like two minutes, and then I had to review um, the the Earl Sweatshirt record. I don't I don't like you know I don't go outside. I reviewed that in like two minutes. Like I had to hit all this stuff very quickly. Adele, uh, I, I forget which one. I want 25 or one of those 20s. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, that, you know, so I'm just going on air live. Interesting. Just reviews? Just reviewing records. Like, Not... I was still doing my digital editor thing, yeah. but then they would be like, hey, big record coming out. You want to go on air and talk about it for, like, just live, you know? <laughs> so it's not recorded or anything. No guests or anything? Nothing. It was just the, um, the host would ask questions. Yeah. I would talk about it quickly, get in, get out. It's so crazy how ra- radio format has changed. I will say when I first started covering music, yeah. Um, and when I was reaching out to different places, there were a few places in particular who were like, uh, you know, I just reach out. Hey, my name is Marcus Moore, yada, yada. Um, and they would come back right away and say, oh, we're not looking for any hip hop writers. Oh, yeah. you didn't even know what genre you they were? They didn't even know. I just said music Bruh. journalists. I just said music. I didn't say hip hop. I didn't oh. say anything. I just said, hey, music journalists. And they're like, oh, well, we don't, we're not covering hip hop right now. You're like, I, that's not what I write about. Saying, you're right. And it's <laughs> like, and, and I'm, you go out to different places too. You cover music. And I'm pretty sure you get people asking you who you write for and what you cover. Yeah. So for me, it would be, I would go to places in D.C., now I would say, oh, yeah, I'm a music journalist. And then the person would say, like, oh, who do you write for? You write for, like, The Source or, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm like, You're no. Like NPR, Washington Post, oh. BBC. <laughs> oh, and then and then that's when the shock comes in. That's when the shock comes in because mm. it's like, because I can, I can tell, and I'll give you a very recent example, then mm. I'll, I'll jump back. Mm-hmm. I had the honor of interviewing legendary jazz bassist Ron Carter. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I'm in his apartment, oh and we're God. just talking. I'm like, you're Ron Carter. You know, I'm like freaking out inside. Fanning out. I'm fanning out, like, right? Yeah. So then um, after our interview, um, he's like, hey, I got a question for you, Mr. Moore. And I said, sure, what's up? How how did you get to the times? How did you get to the times? And and it was, it was good in nature, but I also understood what he was asking. What yeah. he was saying is, how did a black man get at the New York Times covering black music? Is I'm sorry if I, this is ignorant, but is Ron Carter black or white? Yeah, he's white. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's black. He's black. He's okay. black. Yep, okay, yep, got yep. you. So he was like, how did you get there? Um, because he was telling me how for years and years and years, I mean, he's like jazz legend, and he would have trouble getting his music or just jazz music in general wouldn't get covered the way it needs to be covered there. And so he's now like, well, how, how? Again, going back to the how question. How, bro? How, how? how did you do it? Yeah. Well, so, I just asked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just asked, and here I am talking to you. Um, so, yeah, so those are some of the microaggressions where we're just like, yo, okay, yeah. we're not looking for hip-hop. It's like, okay, word, okay. I want to cover this folk record, though. Yeah. No, it 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 is a trip, and, like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many, I mean, especially as a freelancer, um, such as myself, like a lot of the newsrooms are run by white people and people who have been there forever. Right. (laughs) So like breaking in for anybody who's not like 
you know, a, a, took that traditional path or looks that traditional way, mm-hmm. it feels like it's like a s- extreme barrier. But it, you know, in 2023, like we should have, you know, journalists covering or journalists that reflect the depth and breadth of our communities <laughs> that, yeah. that that actually uh, look <laughs> and have similar experiences. It just in this day and age, um, mm-hmm. it just feels weird. It feels so weird to me. And I this happens to me all the time when I'm pitching new stories to publications I've never written for um, or just because editors like move around so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the sheer volume of pitches that people get. It's just like the fact that they came back to you right away and like, oh, we don't cover hip hop. You're like, you didn't even read my email. Exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, I just don't want to. And I can't say that that was a, a regular occurrence. I mean, sure. because cause more often than not, I yeah. would send half an email and they'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Come on through. Maybe that- I need to send half emails. <laughs> <laughs> That's how MTV happened. MTV, it was literally, they had an open email and I, I just said, hey, my name is Marcus. I'm originally from D.C. I cover this. If there's room, I would love to start writing for y'all. You know what? Sometimes that's that's a way better approach. Yeah, it's like just keep it. You don't have to send a super long email. You could just because what I realized is that these people are human too. Even though they're like behind this veneer of like this big publication. Yeah, we've they're all just people. They're all just people, and so you could just talk to them like a human being, and you you might be surprised by the response that you get back. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. That veneer and that little pedestal is like real. It, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. There are certain publications that definitely uphold that. Yeah. Where it's like, no, we are this public. And no, you have to wear a suit and tie before you uh, come into this office and all of that. <laughs> but th- those 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 publications are few and far between compared with the others who may still have that same veneer or, you know, that same name and title. Yeah. But the people there don't act like that. Got it. Is what I've learned. Yeah. Um, speaking of brief emails. <laughs> <laughs> You already know where I'm going. Let's go. <laughs> um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but uh, we've talked about brevity. Yeah. <laughs> um, and specifically, like, the kind of tension between writers and publicists. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just be curious, like, what value do you find in working with publicists or, or do you? I do, actually. Or what's your preference? Well... I got to give my wife a ton of credit on this. Oh, your wife does PR? She used to. Oh. She used to um, in another life. Like, she was like, I'll never go back to comms. And <laughs> and I can understand why. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But she was the one who schooled me, like, yo, even if you're going to say no to something, even if you can't cover it yeah. or you won't cover it, just respond. Yeah, that's real. Just respond yeah. because they're just going to keep sending you emails and <laughs> they still have to. They still have to answer to the artists and to, you know, people above them. So don't leave them out, leave them out to dry. Yeah. So if nothing else, look, I get it. I understand the game. The game is the game. You have a record that you need to push. You have to justify keeping this contract. Right. You have to turn in this report that says, hey, I got you coverage on X, Y, Z. Right. I get it. Yeah. But also, if I tell you that I'm busy, respect it. That's my only beef. It's like. Here, as of late, I have an away message on where I'm like, hey, listen, I'm working on a number of big projects. Yeah. And the big projects are, it was the Miles thing. It was, it's De La. Yeah. It's all this stuff. You're writing a book on De La Soul. I'm writing a book on De La Soul that I got to finish. And I'm like, Casual. And I, and <laughs> <laughs> I know. that We can get into that. And my friends get on me about that. Like, bro, you just dropped this stuff casually. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, if I tell you legit that I'm busy, I'm not just telling you that as a line. I'm no. like, no. The the frustrating thing is when I say I'm busy and they're still like, oh well, if you could still just give it time. I'm yeah. like, yo, I just told you. I just told you I got to file like fifty thousand words. I literally like, don't have time. I don't I'm have saying. time. Like it's not a diss. Yeah, I get it. We can still be cool, but yeah. yo, I can't cover this one. Yeah, and it's not a personal slight. I'm just busy. Right. I can be busy too. I think it's actually courteous that you have an away message that like alerts people to like some response. You yeah. know, like hey, you emailed me. I'm saying I got that away. I got that message, and you're like, unless we're already in conversation, like I'll yeah. get back to you when I'm when I have time. Right, but it's like, and look, I, I see that. it. I see it all, but it's like, yo, if I if I just can't, I just can't. Right, and it's not a personal. Yeah, case. it's also like we're in this like you know cell phone email like DM like mm-hmm. we're like it's so easy to get a hold of people. And like uh, last week, my phone kind of like was wiling out, and I was like, "This is kind of nice." <laughs> like, no one's calling me right now. <laughs> right. No emails. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like everyone's just so used to like people being available all the time. It, like when you kind of reclaim your boundary, that people are like, "Oh wait, what?" It, yeah. Remember when we didn't have cell phones? Like you had to literally call someone at home if they weren't home. You weren't talking for days. <laughs> and you didn't know on the other end there was no caller ID. You just had to yeah. pick up the phone. Hello, yeah. hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think some of my tension with like comms is because I cover. I don't just cover music, so I get pitches like about all kinds of stuff but a lot of times the pitches i get don't even have anything to do with anything i've ever covered yeah that's that's frustrating too and when they keep following up like hey man you know or even if you say hey this isn't something that i cover they're like why why but then it's also (laughs) well i have your attention now let me pitch you five more things no that i i don't like that i will say that (laughs) like i try to keep everything above board right because now i again just something casual i'm sorry y'all but uh (laughs) I co-lead this um, editorial project at the New York Times uh, that you were involved with. Um, Thank you for five, having me. Of course. Five <laughs> minutes that'll make you love whatever, you know, Alice Coltrane, Sun Ra. Um, and so, you know, I, when you when you cover music for a while, you develop these relationships with sure. these artists, right? I yeah. mean, it's a working relationship. So a lot of times I'll just reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Hey, Georgia Ann, do you have some time? Hey, what's up, Nabaya? What's good? Nabaya Garcia, you have some time? Georgia Ann. You know what I'm saying? Roses. So, roses, Ugh, everything. That song all, uh, all goes down in history. All the stuff. All the Jazz things. before jazz was a thing. That was her. But, Dude, I remember her and Dudley Perkins were like outside of Fat Beats in L.A. just literally like, check out my next tape. Right. And now Georgia's like. I miss that. Yeah, so... um. <laughs> So, yeah, it's like I, I'll reach out to people. And then there was one occasion in particular where I reached out and they were like, hey, well, next time, can you go through us? You know, because we have to justify that we can handle stuff like this. And I'm like, OK, I get it. All right. What, like go through their PR instead go of direct th- Right. Exactly. So don't 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 go to the person who you've gotten to know personally. <laughs> Let's run it two layers up oh that's what i so don't you do. can reach out to the publicist who i will th- i will then reach out to the manager and who will then it's like well why are we doing all of that no you know that and, doesn't make sense no and i i have like so much experience on the comm side which is why i have so much beef because every time i email like a reporter or writer somebody that i wanted to not necessarily cover stuff because you don't always want to hit up a writer when you want them to cover stuff. You want to build a relationship with them. Right. And I'm sure you're like your wife will have a lot to say about that. Mm-hmm. But like, there's definitely like 
key things that you should be doing so that you're building something instead of like a transaction. I mean, sometimes yeah. transactions are necessary, but um, I mean, I would always like, if I'm going to pitch you, I'm going to go read like three of your stories. I'm going to check your Twitter. I'm going to peep your IG. I'm going to like literally Google news search you to see if you written or were mentioned or interviewed in any story. Like I'm going to do mm-hmm. my due diligence to see like what you're up to before I hit you up out of nowhere. Right. Um. So that, you know, at least there's, like I'm giving you that respect for I'm, I'm trying to take your time basically that I've actually done my homework and and I I send you these texts all the time right. but <laughs> I literally like 3 4 times a week I get pitches from publicists that have never read anything I've written and it's clear by their pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is when they spell your name wrong. Or they put, hey, insert middle name. Yo, like, and they the have the, t- the template. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, okay. And the font is all different colors. Totally. Because they like, copy oh, and paste it. Copy in. and paste. Um, but it's just so weird. Like, I so because I've worked in comms, I did work in comms for so long, I know now on this, this side of it um, mm-hmm. that, it just goes such a long way to like do your homework. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> look, and, and I'll try to keep it above board and I'll, I'll reach out to you. Like, so if I'm trying to get somebody yeah. who I may know, it's like, look, okay, I'll reach out to the publicist. Yeah. Don't, don't suggest five to six other people Yo, that's so to real. be in it <laughs> as well. Or, Oh, right. now that I have you, have you listened to, have you had a chance to listen to this and that? And it's like, yeah, that's, look. that's why I go direct to the artist or to the founder or whoever I have a relationship with, because nine times out of 10, they'll mm-hmm. try to pitch you on some other shit. And I'm like, that's not how these, this, I know there are a lot of writers who are like contributing writers who, um, sometimes like there's not a lot of ethics involved and some people will right. literally direct, you know, write a press release, not write the press release, but like literally like the story is like, it's not like a truly deeply researched, like journalistic story, exactly. Yeah. you know? And there is a lot of that, especially in our media, like cycle and like in the different forms of content that exist now, like, every, you know, fake news stuff like, there's the deep fakes and stuff like that, but there's so much content that exists that's not like well researched and Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's literally like there's talking points from the press release and they're just, they end up on it in a story, you know? And you don't really know that unless you work behind the scenes and you're like involved in the production of news because it's a production. But I would also hope that these publicists would know who they're emailing, but that goes back to your point (laughs) where it's just like, no, my email ended up in muckrack. Yeah, right. And like all of a sudden that's like a database for like all journalists and writers at every media company. Mm-hmm. Um and uh publicists and like PR firms pay like I think somewhere between like average like 5 grand a year or something to access that database. <laughs> so my name yeah. ended up in there and somehow I started getting random emails from people I've never talked to. <laughs> That are like, hey, just following up. I'm like, you're literally getting blocked. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, look, I mean, you, you don't. There's certain reporters you should know that you don't rep- you you don't approach like that. I would hope. No, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, you're right. There are certain reporters where it's like, okay, either they're just starting out or they just don't have the same chops. Yeah, and they'll just repurpose a press release. Yeah, but also don't reach out to like OGs or like great reporters. Yeah, with the hey just following up or hey repurpose this or hey 
um, here are these 10 other records I need you to hear so you can write about them. It's like, yo, man. No, but when I will say when I was like young, early 20s in my like getting started in in PR, but like I was working with startups and the media landscape was a lot different back then. Like you could literally go take a reporter out to coffee mm-hmm. and like hang out and get to know people. And, you know, you build rapport and they'd be, you'd be, you know, they come to you if they need a source. Right. Now, like, if someone asks to take me to coffee, I'm like, I don't, who are you? Right, like, like, what do you want? I know the ask is coming. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, I mean, you know, there were mistakes back then where, like, you know, you see, like, so-and-so is a writer at, you know, Bloomberg or, you know, back in Bloomberg Business Week or, like, New York Times or whoever or wherever. And you're like, oh, you know, in your mind you have this publication is, like, amazing. Yeah. But, you know, you're, like, an account coordinator and you just see their email and you email them. You don't know. Right. Right. So, like, that, I get it. Like, that could happen. But I'm not, like, you know, I'm not emailing, like, Ben Cesario at the Times with, like, <laughs> without having a an exclusive, without having, like, uh, a really big number associated with my news, mm-hmm. without reading his past, like, five stories. And also, like, no. <laughs> right. And it's, like, and, and another thing that I'm going through now um, yeah. is, like, because okay, they see I'm in the Times regularly. Right, right, right. You get a lot of pitches now. I get a lot of pitches, and a lot of it doesn't make sense though. It's right. like, hey, everything is every email is, hey, you think we can get this in the Times? What? And it's like, no, like, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. That's like, not, I can't just. What's the story? What's the story? Also, <laughs> is this pro? I hate to sound like this, but it's like, look, your competition is literally all these other people I've written about. Right. So you're fighting up against London Brew. Damon Locks, right? Pink Seafood, More yeah. Mother, people like that. Yeah, I'm sorry, up and coming rapper. I, it's not a New York Times story yet, right? And maybe it will be, right? But not yet, not yet. Yeah, and that's tough to explain. That puts me in a in a weird place because then it's like, oh, you've changed, or you know, maybe uh, I'm not. I'm not. You know, you ch- you changed, bro. Yeah, it's like, yo, man. <laughs> you know, how how come this can't get in the Times? I'm just like, it just can't. Yeah, that's just not how it works. Right. And every publication, it's like it's like a restaurant. Right. It's like this is not the right meal for that restaurant. Exactly. You know, like you're not going to go to uh, the sushi restaurant and like ask for baklava. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, I was trying to like bring food back in here somehow. But um, it is it's 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 pretty like it's a very specific niche and um skill set to understand like what goes where mm-hmm. and especially when you're working with different editors and um the publication's priorities like they they change over time too right exactly um so and, and what i think a lot of people don't know too is when you're working with like freelance writers or people who are contributors not only do you have to like convince them that, that this is a story worthwhile not convince them but present them with a good case they're gonna have to go sell that internally to their yeah. editor <laughs> Who's then maybe going to have to sell it to someone else, but usually not. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, I think people don't understand that. It's not just, like, I'm going to say no just to say no. I'm going to say no for a variety of reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I can't just, I'm not in the house, so I can't just turn my chair and say, hey, for my next story, I'm going to write about this. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I have to, the way you pitch me is the way I have to pitch this thing. So there are no guarantees. And then even, I have to pitch it a little bit even different. Exactly. Based on my relationship with that editor or whatever, or what I know they like, or how they like to receive the links to mm-hmm. hear the music. No, right. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's all these different factors, but yeah. ultimately I get it. Like the yeah. game is the game. I understand it. I still try to respond. Yeah. But for whatever reason now, as of late, 
it's becoming a little bit more aggressive. And I don't know what triggered that, but mm. for me, it's like a lot more of, hey, just want to get your thoughts on this. Just want to get your thoughts on this. And it's like, it's coming from everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know what happened, but it's pretty aggressive now. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. This whole year has just been like, yo, did, okay, did I do something that people really dug? Because <laughs> my email is crazy. I wake up to crazy emails. Really? It's like, yo. How many emails do you get a day with pictures? Um, or a week? A week. A week. It's not super crazy. It's like 100 maybe. What? That's crazy. That is crazy? It's oh, I'm sorry. I have no context for numbers. <laughs> That's why I'm a journalist. I don't know numbers. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah, like 100. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like of those 100, it's not personal relationship email. Those you know what like I'm saying? Randoms? Yeah, like randoms? Like randoms. Like a lot of them can Yikes. be randoms. Yeah. Um, but then of the 100, maybe about 20 to 30 of them. Well, I'd say 20. 20 of them are like, hey, when did you get your thoughts on this thing that's coming out? It's embargoed. Don't talk about it. But can we get this in the Times? You know, like, <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. Can we get this in the Times? What? Never ask that, guys. If you're pitching someone, don't ask them that. <laughs> Give them a story and let them decide where it goes. Right, exactly. It's like, yo, I get why I get why people go for NYT. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no, the I world's mean, newspaper. Yeah, right? it's but literally like the Holy Grail. <laughs> I get it. But also, don't don't look disappointed when I say, like, another publication. It's like, right. oh, well, because we were really hoping for the time. Well, why? Like, the writing is the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to give them the same level of writing. Right. It's just because, what, is it the font? Is it the, like, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? (laughs) So that's my whole thing. It's like, look, um, just just be more understanding, ultimately, is what I I would hope for. Yeah, that was a tangent. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. (laughs) It's it's necessary. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to get back into how you are negotiating, like, as you're building as an entrepreneur. Would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Uh, not really. No. I, I I think by definition, though, I would say probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't see myself as that. How do you see yourself? I see myself as uh, when people ask me, I say writer. I just say writer these days. Writer. Um. On, uh, not entrepreneur. Maybe that's a Freudian slip. But uh, writer curator is what right. I tend to say. But if you had to put some like sort of business framework around it, like. When you do taxes, mm-hmm. are you like a freelancer? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you, around this time of the year in April ish, how do you consider yourself? Mm. I guess I mean for those purposes, it's definitely entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But any other time, like starting restarting in May, no, I'm, I'm writer, <laughs> writer. Dude. So for one month out of the year, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's just I don't know. Maybe because I have an archaic way of looking at entrepreneur. Like anytime I think entrepreneur, I think like somebody with a tangible business with an LLC with right. business cards and all of that. And I have none of that stuff. Mm. Like I, I tend to have like accountants and people like handle stuff right, for right, me right. because it's like that's I freak out when it comes to like oh you're like a true professional. You actually let professionals do the things. Yeah, I just at. can't. Like I hey here's all my stuff. Yeah. Go go do the thing, but I yeah. can't. Yeah, so that maybe that I also don't identify because, I don't know, maybe this is avoiding behavior, but I just would tend to just, okay, I just want to go over here and work on the creative thing. Yeah. I'm going to let the adult this part of adulting be taken care of by somebody else. No, that's respectable, and I think it's in um, uh, Stephen Pressfield writes this book called The War 
the war of art, mm-hmm. not the art of war, the war of art. Um, but he talks about the true mark of a professional is having other professionals do what they're good at so that you can be good at what you're at. Good mm-hmm. at. <laughs> so. That's it. Yeah. I try to do that. I just try to yeah. do the thing. That's why I shout out to the, to the booking agent, shout out to my literary agent. Okay. I just, all yeah. right, let me just focus on this thing. And then yeah. you, you all handle the money and all that stuff. <laughs> you guys do the, the fee and the rate and all that stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. You mean you didn't, you didn't create like a, a fake manager name. A fa- <laughs> I've had, I've heard of so many DJs and producers who've done that. No, 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 no. Yeah. I got actual people. I did that. Don't get me wrong. I did Back that at first. I did create a uh, a different email to keep publicists off me. So are you good at like compartmentalizing stuff? Yeah. 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 Which is, it's it's kind of becoming a little, uh, I guess, bad for business right now. You know, really? Because I'm finding, well, because I'm finding now that it's better for me to just focus on one thing at a time mm-hmm. and not have all this other stuff floating in my head at the same time. So I'm pretty good at knowing, okay, on a day-to-day, I need to focus on this thing, do a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and then do some of that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it kind of has me a little scrambled a little bit, you know, yeah. um, because I also have to be a, a whole human being, you know, right. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm I'm trying to get to a point now where it's like, okay, I have this one thing that I'm doing. Yeah. I'm trying to scale it back in that way. That's respectable. Yeah. And just like, yo, okay. Daylight book, finish that. Everything else, okay, I'm going to just have to let that slide because I need to finish this one thing. But you have, like, five things going on at any given time. That's true. But That's you're trying true. to scale that back. Well, I'm, I'm trying to scale it back to a respectable number because, <laughs> like, I am doing, I'm doing a, a whole bunch of different stuff at the exact same time, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is long-term stuff. Right, right, right. So, like, the day to day, it's like okay, cool. I'm writing this this Times feature. I'm I have a column to do a title. Those it's like all right, give me a couple days and right. I can churn out fifteen hundred words or something. Yeah, daylight book. That's the big thing. Um, but all the other stuff is like down the road stuff, like stuff I'm setting up for like twenty four, like longer lead, longer lead. Yeah. So while like it does look like okay, I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff at the exact same time. Right, right, right. It's further down the road. Man, the internet is wild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dang, in one day you did a story at the Times. You released the, you executive produced the uh, anthology of Miles Davis for Vinyl, Vinyl Me Please, right? Vinyl Me Please, yeah. Yeah, like that's wild. Um, Billy Woods profile ran. Yeah. That was, see, you're, you're catching me on, that was a wild, that was a wild day. <laughs> was that's like, a very rare occurrence. You are out here. And you're responding to my text, like, thank you. <laughs> Yo, it was, that was, that was definitely a day. I know yeah. it's like, that was uh, the 28th. That was the 28th where I was like, okay, I got the London Brew uh, New York Times thing going up. Then I also have, I was told that the Billy Woods thing was going to go up at yeah. Oxford American. And then I'm told, oh, we're going to go live with Miles Electric today. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was yeah. kind of a wild one. What's your, like, day-to-day ru- like routine, self-care vibes? How do you take care of Marcus the human person so that you can be good at your writing yo i love that question i'm really getting into the self-care at the behest of uh my therapist oh shout out therapist two times shout out shout out to renard 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 yeah (laughs) shout out to renard yep so um how did you find your therapist first of all um i just did some extensive uh google searching okay and then i i a beat it with like reviews and um Uh talked to other therapist homies yeah you know and just kind of 
did a got as many good reviews as I could. Journalist thing. Yeah, yeah, I just did my whole journalist <laughs> thing, man. So skills. <laughs> but so self care for me honestly looks like, um, I mean, it all comes back to music for me. So I just like listening to music that I don't have to think about, you know, yeah. stuff that I don't have to form opinions on or write about. So honestly, self care for me is listening to a lot of the classics because. Mm-hmm. I can get in my head so much about music because yeah. I've been doing it for such a long time. Then I'm yeah. like, no, I got to pull out the rare spiritual jazz record from 74. But then it's <laughs> like, no, man. I mean, yeah. Stevie Wonder is a legend for a reason. So I'm going to just listen to Intervisions today. Yo, that was you probably the best concert I've ever been to. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's nothing <laughs> wrong with like breaking out the Prince record and breaking out yeah. uh, Alice Coltrane and, yeah. and all of that. So. Self-care for me is listening to music just to listen to it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like taking long walks, as cliche as that sounds. I just like walking around when the weather's nice. No, those little mental health walks, they work. Yeah, they do work. <laughs> they they do work. really work. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some friends who like, oh, yeah, I can walk for 45 minutes to an hour. I can't do that. I can do like 30 minutes. And then yeah. it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm reset. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not. A gamer, but I have a gaming system. So I have a, a PS4. Mm-hmm. And I'll play like these pockets of like, I'll play Madden for like 15 minutes. Right. Just to think about my next sentence. Or I'll, th- I'll, th- yeah. I'll play NBA 2K for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I'll just turn it off. Yeah. I'll do stuff like that. I've gotten into cooking. Okay. So I like cooking. I, I And the self care for me also helps um, my creativity because I stop creating at a certain time. Right. So I try to operate like, okay, I'm working from like 9 to about 5. Yep. Then by 5.30, I'm thinking about what what's for dinner. Well, yeah. Or what's on TV. After staring at a screen for that long, too, like, I'm done. Staring at a screen. <laughs> and so for me, it's either, okay, I'm staring at a screen, writing. Yeah. And then, okay, some texts are coming in about a, a project or a show I want to do. Yeah. And then um, maybe it's an IGDM about some other thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of non-stop for about eight hours yeah that context switching too is kind of like exhausting I think yeah about, like mentally yeah it, it it gets to be a lot i mean don't get me wrong i'm thankful because it's everything yeah. i've worked for sure, but at sure. the same time i don't want to be defined solely by that like i get right. that that's like okay when people see me they see music dude i get it <laughs> um but i also like to do other than like you know i like i used to like playing basketball but then my brain, my, mentally, I feel like I'm in my 20s, but my body's in its 40s. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What happened? You got a bad knee or something? No, well, they make noise. <laughs> they make a little noise. Yeah, my <laughs> knees and my ankles make noise. Because I used to play a ton of basketball growing up. Right. Like street ball. Right, so right, right. every so often, I'll, like, if I'm going to Blue Note and I look over at the cage on West yeah, 3rd, yep. it's like, it's like, no, nah, I'm not going over there and get embarrassed. Or if, I walk, <laughs> if I'm walking up decal um, across from, like, a... Uh, I forget what it's across from bigger world or in places like these yeah. certain restaurants. Yeah, yeah. They they play ball over there. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I should go over there. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna go over there. So I'll just shoot around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That's it. But yeah, that's what self care looks like for me. It's just anything that I can just shut my brain off for a little bit and do something. Yeah. You know, watering plants. You know, it could be anything, honestly. I gotta give credit to my my good buddy um Havana Joe though. He was the one who actually set me on the journey. Oh, really? Like, you know, get you this plant. <laughs> It's like, okay, bro, I'll take a plant, whatever. <laughs> yeah, shout out to him, man. Industry legend. He's a background dude, but I'm going to give him flowers. Like Havana is <laughs> that dude. Um, Who else do you want to give flowers to? Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
let me be cliche for a second. I want to give flowers to two people in particular, um, to to my wife, my wife Mabenti, because a few years ago, she just had this grand idea of starting her own business mm. where she wanted to set up a fund mm-hmm. for women-owned companies mm-hmm. on the continent of Africa. Mm. So she was working at this job that she did not like at the time, and uh, she decided, yo, Let's just move to Nairobi. I went to Nairobi for work. She, this is what she's saying. She mm-hmm. went to Nairobi for work. Mm-hmm. She loved it. She thought it was like the next level. Mm-hmm. Like Kenya's where it's at. That's what she kept saying. I All was right. like, okay, cool. So Goes the, to Kenya once? Goes to Kenya once and was like, yo, okay, let's move. I'm like, all right, well. Because at the time, I knew I had to finish um, the, my first book anyway. and uh, Which was? The Butterfly Effect. Uh, it was a Kendrick Lamar biography. Yeah. Came out in 2020. It's doing well. It's Very low-key. It's hanging out here. Very low-key. I know. Yeah, another, like, <laughs> it's it's out here. It's it's still making its rounds for sure. Yeah. But, um, so I, I want to give her a shout because, I mean, I, I saw her day in and day out struggling with, you're launching a business, you've uprooted your life, you move halfway across the world, you're yeah. networking, you're trying to do the thing. And she's still at it. Like she's And she just launched it in 2019, but I see mm-hmm. her every day, like, just trying to reset this and reset that. And, yeah. oh, I need to travel to Dubai real quick. I need to go to yeah. uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow. So I, I want to give her a shout because yeah. she's doing the hard work. I cover music. It's hard, but it's she's doing, like, MVP level work. <laughs> so I got to say that. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to uh, my best friend in the world, Brian Wallace. He is um, a Maryland native just like me. Mm-hmm. He always shouts me out for stuff that I'm doing and I'm grateful for that but he's a true example of how to maintain your sanity while also doing a million things at the same time mm. while also being married with three kids mm. and you had a house built and like he he's just this shining example of how to hold everything together in the most level-headed way mm. and I always appreciated that about him while he's mm-hmm. shouting me out I'm like no I'm trying to be like you because <laughs> You you're, you're holding up all this stuff, yeah, and you still can come up here and go to the Nets game with me, and and right. you know you're, you're still very much in the room, even though you got all these emails cracking off on your phone that are like high level emails, right? Like, so I, I want to, in particular, I know it's people I'm forgetting, but those two people yeah. in particular, I want to shout out. Yeah, it's always like it's a trip how people could just do so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. I think I often notice that people that are so like, I don't want to say productive, but like have so many balls in the air are the ones who like are the most low key about it. That it, yeah. Like I, <laughs> uh, I mean, of, of course it goes the other way too, but I, like more recently I've noticed, especially with my friends with kids, I'm just like, you, you what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you what <laughs> like i can't even make plans on that day and they're they're making plans like four weeks in advance because they have kid stuff and grandparent stuff and yep. they have to go do a board meeting and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're doing like life stuff yeah and that's what i always appreciate about people like brian where it's just like yeah it's cool okay it's cool to to talk to your heroes and talk to your right. faves and right suddenly they become your friends or your associates or whatever right. you know i get it um but you're, he's doing what you just said, where it's just like, okay, yes, I'm doing this. Then I got to take, I got to take my son to a basketball game. I right. got to take my daughter over here, my young son. I got to take him, make sure 
he's good. I got to take him to McDonald's real quick. Or, yeah. You know, whatever. Like, he's yeah. juggling all this stuff at the While same on, like, time. a Zoom call with, like, the VP of something. Right. And, <laughs> and it's still just the, the same chill dude that I met 20-plus years ago. Yeah. Who were some of your, like, mentors when you were coming up? Um, well, I, I mentioned earlier, I mentioned uh, Carol Kilby, who was the mm-hmm. yearbook, um, yearbook editor at the time. She... She was the one who set me on the course to journalism. Really? Mm-hmm. What is she, she a journalist now? No, no, no. She um at the t- she was an English teacher. Oh, she was an ah, English teacher. The English teacher. She was an English <laughs> teacher. She was like, yeah, you should you should do this. Like, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give it a shot. So, um, her, I gotta say, other mentors. My 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 cousin Eric was a mentor indirectly yeah. because, like I said earlier, he was a DJ. Mm-hmm. And he was a DJ in the 80s when all of the stuff was coming up. So right. he's like a vinyl DJ. So he's in the house. He's he's coming in with crates and records. A real DJ. A real DJ. <laughs> so he, I, I go into his room. He has everything from like EPMD to, um, you know, he. I remember he was spending a lot of time in California. Yeah. And he comes back. I want to say this was uh, 87, 88, yeah. something like that. He comes back and he's like, yo, there's this dude out here named MC Hammer that I think we need to pay attention to. MC Hammer. And me and my cousin Ike were like, who? <laughs> I don't know about this one here, bro. Like, I don't know. He's like, I'm trying to tell you this dude is about to be a problem. MC Hammer was a big a big part of my uh, childhood. Everybody's music. childhood. On the low. On the low. <laughs> Those people pants. Like, people like to talk about him, but MC Hammer was out here. So, like, yeah, my, my, um, my cousin Eric was definitely a mentor, a big mentor indirectly where he's just bringing all this music and he yeah. was just so cool. And I'm just like, yo, I, I need to be involved with whatever that is he's doing. Yeah, what well, that stuff. Yeah. That feels good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about now if you like need advice or you're like stuck? Who who you who's your call? Um a dear friend of mine is this, um, um, he's a legend. He's a DC legend. Um, was part of the hip hop scene when hip hop wasn't a thing. His name was Kokai. Okay. Um, spelled K O K A Y A Y I. Okay. And, uh, so Kokai has become a mentor because I mean, we're, even though we're friends and we, we, you know, iron is sharpening iron and all of that, but, um, He's one. Of, he's very honest. So if I if I hit him with something like, "Hey, this project's coming up. I think I want to do this, that, and the th- I want to do these things." Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. He'll say, "No, that's great. You should do that." Or I don't know. Like he's honest. <laughs> yeah. So I would say he's definitely um, a mentor to me. Yeah. And another one again, I can almost hear him cringing, but Havana, <laughs> Havana. Like even though again, it's the same deal where it's like. We talk to each other about each other's careers, you know, our respective careers. Yeah. So I'm giving him advice. He's giving me advice. But I respect him because every time I talk to Havana, um, I get a battery in my back. Like, mm. you know, on these days of, like, self-doubt, he just has this um, this knack of knowing, like, yo, you good? What's good? And then, yeah. like, he'll say something, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, and then I'm, I'm back to it. So yeah. I would say these yeah. days— those are my mentors, but yeah. I will say this though: I feel like my career has flipped in a way, and I don't know when it happened or how it happened. Mm-hmm. But I've somehow become like industry dad to a certain extent, <laughs> where people are hitting me up for like advice, for mentorship, for um, you know everything. I definitely hit you up a couple times. Oh yeah, but it's I mean it's fine when the homies do it, right? But yeah. it's just like 
I get a lot of random people now. Oh, you get like, industry dad. In, that's, how, <laughs> that's how I classify myself sometimes, which is like, I don't feel like being industry dad today, man. I'm look out for myself. But um, <laughs> No, that's real. I've definitely know. been in that uh, team mom kind of role. Right. Yeah. I get it. It's 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 it can be it can be like there's a certain feeling of being like uh mentoring somebody or guiding them if you have like the wherewithal and the kind of experience to do so. Yeah. It's a, it could be a nice feeling, but sometimes it's sometimes like it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot and and if I'm being real with you, I don't appreciate it when I feel like it's all going one way. Right. So if these relationships aren't mutually beneficial where I feel like I can talk to you about something, like I don't like the transactional and I get that in our industry, it is transactional, Right. but I don't like it when like, you're just hitting me up when you need something, Yep. but then I don't feel like I can hit up anybody else when I need something. Or if I hit up certain people, who have hit me up, then all of a sudden the phone goes silent. Like, I don't like that. And I feel like yeah. in years past that's happened. So that's sure. why I'm like, okay, my assists per game have to go down. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put up more shots. Right. Yeah. Right. Got the little sports analogy. Oh, listen, that, that, you know, <laughs> everything for me is a basketball analogy. Really? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. What? Oh, yeah. If I wasn't <laughs> Your whole covering, face changed right now. If what? I wasn't covering music, I'd be covering sports. Really? Why don't you cover both? Oh no, no no! You just said I do five different things at the same time. I mean, I'm not gonna if add you're into it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the word. Well, I think we pretty much uh, covered it. Oh yeah. You have anything? Yeah, I, I'd say just thanks for having me, and I appreciate yeah. everybody listening. Um, you know, I'm still working on the the whole self care aspect, and I'll I'll try to keep it interesting yeah. as much as I can. Yeah, we're all on the journey. Like, there's no right way to do it. Yeah. It always kind of you figure out what works for you day to day. You seem pretty you seem pretty good to me. Even it's, keel. It's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot, a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. I definitely have and not to ramble too much, I'm sorry, but um, no, you know, I definitely have those those moments of self doubt. And this I because I came up with this chip on my shoulder where, you know, everybody's sleeping on me. Mm. Um nobody's paying me any attention. Yeah. And it's been hard to shake that because Yeah. The universe is now telling me, bro, ain't nobody sleeping on you. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you got a, a whole book out. You're finishing the next book. Seriously. You just put out a box set. You're doing all this stuff. Come on, man. Like, there, there is no scrappy upstart narrative anymore. And so right. I'm really trying to knock that block off my shoulder as much as I can. Yeah. We didn't really get to talk about your book. Oh, which one? I was like, wait, <laughs> I have questions. No, yeah, no, ask all the stuff. De La Soul. You're writing a book about De La Soul. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Dave Trugoy, who just passed like a couple months ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so crazy for everyone. Um, at literally like weeks before De La got their 30-year backed up catalog on streaming platforms mm-hmm. um which is so dope to see them getting their flowers now but also it's sad yeah um how did you start writing a book about Dela? so okay with, with any book that i write i want to make sure and in, in keeping it with the theme of giving flowers i wanted to give flowers to artists in the literary space who haven't had them mm. you know so it was the same reason why my first book was on kendrick lamar i mean don't get me wrong kendrick it's probably the, the biggest rapper in the world, right? Yeah. You know, so it's not like he's a 
overlooked underground artist, right. but at the same time, there was no book on him. Right. And he deserved one. Right. You know, if nothing else, just for the moment in time from like his come up up until about 2017, 2018. Um, so with Daylight, it was the same thing. Um, I had turned in the, the Kendrick book. The Kendrick book was done. It was about to come out. Mm -hmm. Then I locked in a deal. Well, let me back up. So I thought, like, okay, what's book number two going to be? Because mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to write another one. Mm -hmm. At first, I wanted to write a book about Pharaoh Sanders. Okay. Um, jazz legend Pharaoh Sanders. But um, book publishers didn't think he was a big enough name. I could I could see that. Yeah, I he's, can see he's it. He's very, like, niche, kind of He rare. is, but it was kind of interesting to see all these people now come out of the woodwork whenever he passed uh, and that's oh, what i'm getting to oh. it's like why does it why can't we celebrate people when they're alive right why can't we why can't we and yeah. so that's what i wanted to do with daylight like yo you can read a million books on springsteen and bob dylan right. and, and the like what about our heroes right. what about black heroes right daylight is a they're a legendary group they yeah. inspired so many different people correct so i just wanted to I wanted to write something that was also for me. Like, it was about Daylight. Don't get me wrong. It's about their come up. It's about their albums and their impact. But I wanted to write something where I'm also writing about my own come up. Mm. Because I was I was essentially the audience that Daylight was rapping to. I was a right. left of center kid right. who loved hip-hop, but I loved everything else. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to give them the shout, man. That, mm -hmm. That's really... As, as simple as that sounds, I just want to give flowers to artists while they're still here as much mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, unfortunately, we lost Dave, but I just want to shout people out. And that that's what it was. It was like, yo, De La, um, De La is one of these legendary groups that, yeah, people know about them, but they need to be in the literary space. Right. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's a different book. It's It's not a book that's out. Mm -hmm. You know, because my book publisher at the time was pushing me towards like doing something, you know, something with a bigger name or or covering like a bigger name. Bigger like, name than De La Soul? They wanted me to do a Sammy Davis Jr. book. And I would I like, arguably say De La is bigger. True. <laughs> and also Sam, Sam is just not my, my not, thing. Like he, I respect yeah. them, but it's like, well, that's not really... I can't go from Kendrick to Sammy Davis Jr. It just doesn't really align. That's interesting. Yeah. So I was like, no. Um, <laughs> no. Dayla. <laughs> like, how did you pitch the Dayla book? Like, literally, you just said Dayla? No, I wrote a letter. You wrote a letter. I wrote a letter because um, once you once you write a book. Yeah. And it's and it's proven to do well. Did it do well? Kendrick's Kendrick? Book? It did well, all things considered, because it yeah. came out in October 2020 during the pandemic, yeah. a month before the most important election ever. <laughs> right. So I was I even alerted the team before it came out. I'm like, hey, this book isn't going to jump to the top of the bestsellers list right now. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a slow burn. Right. You know, because it's not the book that people expect. It's not, right. okay, page one, Kendrick was born in this hospital. Page 300, here he is with the Pulitzer. Right. I'm getting into <laughs> I'm getting into West Coast jazz. I'm getting into um, uh, Mike Brown and Eric Garner and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's doing, it's doing well. And right now it's currently out. Obviously it's still out in the States, but it's also in um, the Netherlands. It's in Italy, Japan, Nairobi. So it's Crazy. it's making its rounds, yeah. The UK, yep, it's doing pretty well. What did, was your reaction when you found out your book was going to translate? Was it is it translated to other languages? Yeah, oh, yeah. What was your reaction to that? 
Okay, here's a th- this is another thing I'm working on the therapy. Like <laughs> I'm such a head down next project dude. Yeah. That even when I get these emails like, hey, I'm such and such and I'm translating your book for um press in Italy. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like like I'm like, <laughs> that's great. I celebrate that shit. But I don't like I'm not, you know, gonna go get the cigar and light it up and be like, Well, why not? Know, my book is in Amsterdam. Well, right you now. don't have to be a dick about it. Right. <laughs> you right. could you could just pinkies up, but you know. I, but I'm learning, see, I'm learning now to like, yeah, no, that that was dope. Yeah, go like, have I a, should celebrate go that. Have a glass of champagne. I did that the other day with Miles. When Miles went up, I was like, you know what? You know what? You should. That was a good day. Yeah. Let me go mix something up real quick. No, you but know. you got to celebrate those little wins. No, you're right. Because that's what I'm trying to do is appreciate the journey. Because yeah. historically, I don't. I'm always, oh, that was cool. All right, whatever. Right, right. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. But yeah. So, no, I wrote a, I wrote a letter like a, a like a ten page letter or something like oh, that. Oh wow! Okay. Um, a letter or a proposal? <laughs> no, it was. See, the proposal was like forty something pages. Oh. This is like a. I guess it's a scaled down proposal. Okay. It's like, hey, here's what I intend to do next. Mm-hmm. Here are the cast of characters who. Here's who I intend to talk to. Got it. So a, bi- a pitch, like a pitch, but a, a pitch, but a much longer pitch because it's a book. <laughs> right. Exactly. So the more books that you do. Um, yeah. And the more that you're a proven commodity, you don't have to right. like sell it as much. Oh man, that's yeah. exciting! You're yeah, getting me excited to finally finish my two proposals. Yeah, there you go. Just <laughs> hey, look, ask the question. Ask the question. Just ask the question. That's what I always tell like people. Hey, how do you do such and such? Just ask. Here's an email. Just email the person. Like I'm, I'm going to ask you off off the record later. <laughs> okay. No, absolutely. I got a new one. I got a new idea. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Um. Yeah, so when does the Daylight book come out? Um, it's probably going to be out around this time next year. So probably okay. spring 2024. Okay. Um, because around that time will be the uh, 35th anniversary of Three Feet High and Rising. Okay, smart. Yeah, so um, obviously, I don't know, maybe they'll get it and they'll want to push it. Because also another big time is um, the fall season. Yeah, for books? For books, yeah. Because I they, did not know that. They're, well, because their thinking is... This is going to be gifted to people, and this is going to be for like holiday gifts and whatnot. So, um, yeah. So a lot of times you'll get like October. It's, so if you get like an October release date, they're like, oh, okay, this is a big push. That's fire. Personally, I kind of want it to come out around like March, April. Really? Yeah, because the writing isn't as heavy as as the Kendrick. Yeah. Like this is um, it's a lot more fun. It's meditative. It's it's more conversational. Yeah. Um. And it just feels like a springtime read. And yeah. then since Three Feet High and Rising came out March 3rd, it just feels like people should be, re- if they're going to read it, obviously, mm-hmm. people should read this when it feels good outside. You take it to the park. You read about daylight. You're listening to the music. The music's in the air. Yeah. That's just kind of my artist brain thinking. But yeah. I may say all that. And they're like, no, it's coming out in October. I mean, like, okay, well. <laughs> holiday gifts and stuff. I mean, I, that. True. That. I feel like books do pretty well around that time. But I'm also under the understanding that um, music books do okay, but they're not the first things to fly off the shelf. That's real. You know, yeah. so I can't sit here and act like, oh, yes, day one, everybody's just going to be going up for this thing. Like, yeah. it, when you're when you're working a book, it's a very slow burn. Like, yeah. you have to know that you're going to be working this thing two years and three years later. Wow. Are you still working the Kendrick book? As much as I try to distance myself, people still come back around like, yo, man, like, um, yeah, like I, I gave out a couple of books the other night to like some neighbors. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, here's, here you go. You know, check it out. So because <laughs> I'm, I'm focused you're on the still next promoting. thing. Still promoting it. Uh, indirectly, though. Like, I don't, I'm not actively promoting right, it. Right, because you're giving away books. <laughs> well, I mean, because they give me a stack. Okay. They give me a stack oh, that's just promos. in my apartment. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh. Man, I can't wait for your book. I'm excited. I'm excited oh, for man. you. I, I, look, I think that people are going to dig it. Yeah. Because... If nothing else, it comes from a very real, authentic place. Sure. And it isn't so... Like, look, as much as I love the Kendrick book, I still adore that book. But I also understood people who were like, it was a slow read. It was a little heavy. Mm. It was meditative. But it also was a, a factor of the time that it was written in. It was written in like 2019, 2020. Right. So it's like, I feel like it's a time capsule of that era. But I right. feel like De La... It's just one of those where my voice jumps off the page even more because mm-hmm. that was some advice that I got from a dear friend of mine, Brooke, Brooke Hawkins. Mm-hmm. She um, used to review books, and she's an avid reader. Yeah. She also loved the Kendrick book. But she was like, yo, I'm going to hear more of your voice in the next one. And I said, you're right. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And so now, even today, like, I, I'll type out chapters on my phone. Yeah. And... It feels good to just type it like I would type an email. And obviously, we'll fix stuff in post, right? Sure. So it's not going to come out the way it is now. But yeah. I feel like when people get the final version, yeah, they're like, okay, I can see Marcus growing up in Landover. Yeah. I can see Dela coming together. I can see all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you also have, like, endless material with that. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of material. It's so really hard it, to go it, through all the sources and stuff. It, it's, been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot to just kind of winnow down to – because I didn't want to – also, I didn't want to just stay on one point for too long either. Right, right. You know. Wrap um, it up, B. Yeah, I just wanted to just <laughs> feel like a seamless read that maybe if you read it in a day, that you know, that's a that's a positive thing. How many pages is it? I don't know right now. Um, I haven't done a word count yet, but yeah. um, I think it it's probably going to end up around like 80,000 words. How many pages is that? That equates to about... Like 200 pages? Two, no, like... Uh, like 250 oh like 250-ish that's an academic read yeah yeah right right so it's like it's enough <laughs> which where it's i like, love okay. i love a academic read yeah and and i learned that like even um dan the Ken- charnas's books oh those shout are, out to those dan are, those are mad dense but i love it <laughs> shout out to shout out to dan i just saw dan yesterday yeah no Dan is like Dillatown is like oh okay yeah that book is wild that, and, but that's also another one where it's like I can't read the homies when I'm working on my own book no you have to yeah it's kind of crazy you have to really be conscious of what you're consuming when you're trying to produce something true because I don't yeah. want to bite and also I, I don't want to get self conscious so I can't read I can't read Dan I can't <laughs> yeah. read Hanif <laughs> yeah Hanif Abdul-Rakib I can't read Jason Reynolds yeah I can't read Daniel Smith yeah where it's just like Yo, man, I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna go back to mine. Like, man, this book's terrible. It's not. It's not Hanif. <laughs> like, this ain't. This ain't Dan Charnas. Like, come on. You know what? I don't know if you're looking for other sources or resources, but I find reading um, Gia Tolentino. Do you know oh yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Trick Mirror. Trick Mirror. Right? Yeah. Like that book. Oh man. I don't know. Just the way she writes, I feel like it's it's like a good neutral, oh, like geez, for what don't... you're for what you're writing. G is dope. She's As if dope you were for looking minute. for more things. To read. Well, I, see, my problem is I don't I don't read anything on purpose because I'm just like yeah. I don't want anybody to read this and be like, wait a minute, like this. This sound, yeah, it's kind of hard. It's not like you're biting it, but it's just like when you're a product of whatever you're consuming, it's just gonna 
it's going to reflect. It's like exactly. you, you are what you eat. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's like on purpose, I'll collect books, yeah. but I just put them in the room and, right. and, and wait until I turn in the thing. Then it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you start writing your book, I would say, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll probably just be listening to music. Well, yep. I'll probably have to for research. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but thank you for coming to Current Mood. Oh, of course. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. See you soon. Absolutely. Let me know. Just shoot me a text. Okay. Thanks so much for tuning into Current Mood today. Don't forget to follow Current Mood on Spotify and give us a little rating if you're feeling it. Give us a little star action. Five stars would be great. And follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any ideas on future guests or any insights, feel free to slide right into our DMs on Instagram at currentmood.io. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. It really means a lot.